Welcome everyone to Beyond Queer Stories. Today we have Randy. Randy grew up in Fisher, a small farm town in East Central Illinois, about 20 miles northwest of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. The major defining and life-altering event of Randy's life occurred on October 16, 2010, when the neighbor living below him in his vintage Chicago six-flat co-op started what will become a five-alarm fire, destroying his apartment and all but salvage a few of his life possessions. Randy moved back to Fisher for over three and a half years to help care for his mom with Alzheimer's. He served as an ambassador with the Illinois Alzheimer's Association as a liaison to our state and national legislative leaders and issues for persons afflicted by Alzheimer's and their caregivers. He lobbied our legislators in Washington, D.C. this past March and has recently become an ambassador with Eastern Iowa Alzheimer's Association. Randy is convinced that he's the real-life, gentle version of George Costanza from TV's Seinfeld and has empirical evidence of the validity of this assertion. Randy's told stories in Chicago at Fear Experiment 9, Story Lab, Story Club, Do Not Submit, Truth or Lie, and Outspoken. In Iowa, Randy had been showcased in a storytelling event for Family Promise of Lynn County and with Iowa Watch on Iowa Public Radio. In March of 2017, Randy did the ballsiest thing he's ever done. He sold his co-op, bought a house, and moved to the Czech Village neighborhood of Cedar Rapids, Iowa to start a new life, which is going okay for those interested. Welcome. Thank you. We are happy to to have you. Yes. What identities do you feel most influence your experience? I think my identity is a gay man, number one. Um, While it doesn't define who I am, completely informs who I am and who I've become. I think the experience with my mom's Alzheimer's and caring for that has definitely informed me. Uh, I would say probably the biggest thing that's informed my life is it, it identified in my bio was the fire that I went through, that there are really no words can ad- that can adequately describe what it's like to stand on the sidewalk and literally watch your life going up in flames. Um, that was, my, my life kind of now is de- is defined by before fire and after fire uh, mm. of how things have been in my life. And uh, I try to, to think of it as the, the fire of not something that I ever wanted uh, to happen. And mm. if I could change, it would. Uh, but I like to try to think and try to live my life in, in a way that the, the, the fire didn't destroy me. But uh, like uh, the phoenix from the ashes, I've risen above. And it's interesting, phoenix is a metaphor that friends have often used in defining me and describing me because of things that have happened in my life. And I always hated that terminology. I always thought it seemed like, made me seem like such a victim. And it's like, I don't want to be a victim. Mm -hmm. And then after the fire happened, it's like, okay, I I need to own this because it's, 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 it's literal now. And Mm -hmm. so as a uh, kind of as a demarcation for that, I got a tattoo of a Phoenix rising from the ashes on my, on my left pec. So it's kind of a a constant reminder of, uh, that, yeah. you know, I, I have risen from the ashes and mm-hmm. continue to, to rise. Yeah. I think I remember hearing about that fire. That was a big news event, right? That was a really big it fire was. that impacted a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it was six six of us in the building. Uh, I, one of the things I talk when I talk about it is that, you know, I stopped counting fire trucks at 25 when I could oh, see wow. 
no further down either direction of the street. I live mm-hmm. between Broadway and Clark. And oh, so, uh, really close by. Yeah, or... closer to Broadway on the Broadway side. But, you know, mm-hmm. as far as you could see down Clark, it was, there were fire trucks and then, you know, down Broadway and then even across the street, across the street on Broadway, a little, mm-hmm. a few fire trucks. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you navigated that after that? Kind of losing everything. That's a lot to kind of navigate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm part of the, I mean, one thing, it, it, it was one of those great life lessons that, you know, stuff is just stuff mm-hmm. and so you know you pick up and move on but part of it also was that a lot of my i had an apartment full of antiques oh. uh, i loved antiques and spent you know a number of years in my, my younger life you know going to auctions and sales and getting you know a lot of it for times where you're know, kind of pieces of junk and piles and i loved taking that old stuff that was going to be in a trash heap and refurbishing it and making it new and fresh again and mm-hmm. So, I mean, I not only were the antiques, but a lot of sweat equity into those antiques. And then I also had a, a number of family pieces, too, that were grandparents from both sides. Uh, so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, part of my, my actual legacy that is, is no longer there, that, that is gone. Uh, and probably one of the worst things uh, that I had a dog uh, that had died before the fire, but kind of when she died and everybody loved Yuki, she was just this wonderful, she was a rescue from anti-cruelty. And an Australian Shepherd Border Collie mix, uh, and so when she had died, just because of the impact that she had not only in my life but the lives of my friends, I just had this memory book of, you know, notes and letters and sympathy cards and stuff of kind of my my Yuki memory, uh, and so that that was gone. Uh, and then I love cooking and baking, and then I lost like all of my recipes that were from my mom and my aunt, and my cookbooks mm. and stuff. So. Mm. Yeah. Uh, actually, one my my first storytelling was kind of about that and how I having mom uh, in the early stages of her Alzheimer's threw away all of her recipes and cookbooks and so it was like right before my mm-hmm. fire happened so I had gone back down and said mom I want to go through your cookbooks and recipes and copy down and went to where they were and the cabinet was empty and it's mm-hmm. like you know where are they oh I decided I didn't need them anymore and threw them all away so it was like the last you know. The, the ultimate devastation of having already lost everything was like this was the last piece of my my history and my family you know that I was able going to be able to get back even though you know and then that that was gone so it was like just insult on upon injury right yeah wow yeah did you end up finding out like what happened specifically with the fire without going into great details drunken negligence mm-hmm. of the oh, the neighbor man. living below me. Uh, We'd been having issues with him for years. He was always putting something on his on the stove or in the oven. And uh, myself or the neighbor who lived across from him were always beating on his door and or calling him up and saying, you know, what are you burning? There's smoke in my apartment. And, mm-hmm. you know, we would have at every association meeting, I would say, you know, this SOB is going to get up in the middle of the night sometime and put something on that stove and kill us all in our sleep. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, he did it in the middle of the day. So, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That is the fortunate part. Like everyone lost everything, but everyone got out. Yeah. Yeah. And he had no insurance. So it was like, again, every time you think the story can't get worse, it did. Mm. So where did you move to after that? You moved down to help For the first year, uh, there was actually a rental right across the street from the fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
I took that partly for the convenience. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, not, not that I had stuff to move into it, but right. but just it was it was really a double-edged sword because I was still I didn't want to leave the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I lived in Edgewater, Edgewater Glen, so I really I mean loved the neighborhood. Didn't want to leave the neighborhood. I said it was convenient, it was available, but then the on the other side of that was that. Every morning when I woke up, I would look out my windows and see the devastation. I mean, it was literally yeah. right across the street. You know, my former address was 1243 and the new address was 1244. So mm-hmm. I would wake up and see that every day and right. kind of see, see the devastation and be you know, a constant reminder. So it's like I never did, you know, was able to even get away from it, even in my mind at all. Mm-hmm. So. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your Alzheimer's work as well. It sounds like that's a really big part of what you do. Oh, yeah, it's kind of in the current it isn't. Uh, It's been tough kind of breaking into the 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 Illinois chapter is so vital and is works so diligently and does great stuff. And Mm -hmm. uh, the the Iowa chapter is not as active. And that's been a little bit kind of frustrating and disappointing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But just, you know, mom was the fourth sibling in her family oh, wow. to have Alzheimer's. So, you know, genetics is not, <laughs> was not on her side. Her, her dad had it. Okay. And uh, so just kind of watching the progression, you know, mom was the primary caregiver for her oldest sister, my Aunt Alice. Uh, and so when I kind of started seeing things, you know, happening with mom that were uh, like we'd seen with Aunt Alice. And it was like, and when I kept trying to describe it, it was, you know, it's not that mom's just forgetting things. It's the manner in which she's forgetting. It's very atypical behavior for her. It's just like, you know, we, we all forget things and you make silly or stupid mistakes. But it was like it was the manner in which she was forgetting. It was just so, so atypical behavior. And so uh, kind of watching that, you know, from a distance, you know, from two and a half hours away. And then, you know, when the the fire happened and then after the first year when the when the rebuild was not even close to being redone and it was time to re-up for another lease. The landlords wanted another full year's lease and the insurance company who was paying the rent said, yo, we want a month-to-month lease. And uh, and he was so the fire was in October. Mom had uh, hospitalization in the first week of January that, that following year. And that was kind of like the beginning of her decline. So I was actually going down every weekend uh the time i was unemployed and going to massage therapy school so i was in classes monday and wednesdays so i would get wednesday nights i would you know head back down state and stay through the weekend and come back sunday night and helping mm-hmm. care for mom uh, and it just became evident you know dad was she was in a nursing home for a while and dad was insistent that she come home and it was like you know i don't think he can do this so when I finished school, I kind of basically was down there most of the time and just, you know, while I was waiting to take my uh, national and state, you know, licensing exams. And so it's like being there, it's like, you know, I feel like I need to be here. And with the, you know, the, the rental and places not, you know, the place not being ready, it's like, you know, I'm just going to come down here. And what I really thought was going to be six months tops, I really thought mom would, would die uh, pretty quickly. And she had her first stroke while I, after I'd moved back down like that October, after the, the one year, um, and had her first stroke, and which was pretty debilitating. So, you know, stroke also affects the mind. So it's like at that point, which is which is which has done the most damage, the Alzheimer's or the stroke. And uh, then she got out home from from that, and then like a couple months later, had a second stroke. Uh, she had five strokes total. Wow. 
mom was mom's like a the, the, the long timer for um hospice care she was in hospice for over three and a half years wow when she got finally got kicked out of hospice because <laughs> <laughs> uh so you know and she had a great hospice team i remember the day her because i was lived back in chicago then she was back in a nursing home um and when her hospice nurse called to tell me, you know, that they were going to have to take mom off of hospice and both of us were crying, it was like, mm-hmm. uh, but then within like a month later, she had her fifth and final stroke. And so it's just something very, obviously very close to my heart. And right. uh, and it was the experience in D.C. of uh, lobbying uh, Capitol Hill was just very, very cool. And that year, it was actually a couple of years ago. I need to update my, my bio because it was a few years ago mm-hmm. when, when I did that last. Uh, of the, our actions that day, we were able to get funding increased for CDC and NIH for research and stuff uh, by an unheard amount. And I wow. don't, I'm not going to say because I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was just like, we were shooting for the stars and we got it. And That's great. So it's like, you know, if, you know, kind of the Margaret Mead quote, if you ever doubt that, you know, individuals or I'm bastardizing this quote, but mm-hmm. <laughs> a few individuals or a single can make a difference, you know, they're the ones who do. So mm-hmm. it's like. So it sounds like they were all really receptive to the message you all brought. Most of them. It was interesting. Uh, the few who were kind of just giving us FaceTime and. Mm, like I have to do this. Yeah. Part of my job. I yeah. mean, I mean, and let me see. You know, I'm no longer an Illinoisan, but, you know. Jan Shinaski, Shikaski. Yes, she's she is amazing. Yeah, she's I mean, incredible. She I mean, she was my rep here, and you know, the times I would go to, to her office just to drop something off. If she was there, she always stopped and talked, and okay. and and when we went to Capitol Hill, I mean, she took time out of her schedule and made sure you know got us all in the room and mm-hmm. spent time with us. And she she's just not only for Alzheimer's, but you know, I mean, she's she's an Illinois treasure. So mm-hmm. keep voting for her people. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like where you're at now? I like Cedar Rapids. Uh, it was kind of a, kind of all the events of the fire mm-hmm. and moving back was very difficult being back in that space. And mm-hmm. I mean, after the rebuild, I know that it's it's the nicest home I will ever have owned in my life. But I was having nightmares about fires, and yeah. it was just there was just too much bad that had happened there. And yeah, not only the fire, but the aftermath of the fire and dealing with the craziness of the, the other neighbors and just everything was an uphill battle and lawsuits with contractors. And it's like, you know, I just needed a clean break. And I had friends who lived in Iowa city, kind of a friend who I, Jeff is more like a brother to me than a, than a friend. And so I called and said, you know, I need a change. And I'm thinking Iowa city. And they said, I think you'd like Cedar Rapids better. And by happenstance, the house I happened to, to, to buy there uh, is in Czech Village, which is kind of an artsy little area of town. It reminds me somewhat of Ukrainian Village here, which is where I first lived when I first moved to Chicago. So it's kind of a, an up and happening area. Uh, Cedar Rapids had a huge flood 10 years ago uh, that devastated the, the city. And actually, the house I bought was actually in the flood uh, underwater. Uh, so they've done a lot to revitalize the city. And so it's been... It's been good. I mean, the thing I keep saying, I always hate to say it because I don't want to jinx it, but you know, since since I've moved away, I've not had a nightmare about fires. So that's, that's good. That's a that you know good. a good thing. So it's definitely the right move. Yeah. So so still trying to find my community and my, my tribe there, but it's been mm-hmm. it's been good. 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 I've done like done a couple of storytelling gigs there, so that's been cool. It's so. Getting into the storytelling scene out yeah, there. Yeah. That's not. There's not a lot there though, which you know for. 
Iowa's University of Iowa has the Iowa Writers Workshop. So I thought, oh, there's going to be a wealth of opportunities here. Mm-hmm. And there's not even a moth happening in, in Iowa anywhere. It's like, wow. you know, it's like, how does the Iowa Writers Workshop state not have an Iowa moth happening? Yeah. So I'm trying to get Iowa Public Radio. And I did a story with them, a thing that they actually recorded. Uh, and so I want to try to get them more in gear and say, you need a moth in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, you can pioneer that. Yeah. Get it started. <laughs> Well, we are at about story time. Okay. So we'd love to hear your story today. Okay. Well, the title of this story is Unforgettable. Isn't it strange how a song from so long ago in your life has a totally different meaning when you hear it again years later? Bill made that comment as we were on a weekend road trip in August of 2015. He had invited me to go along with him to his place in Wisconsin. Also in tow was another good friend of his, Jeff. On the drive, we were listening to music, as good red-blooded Americans do on road trips. Nights in White Satin by the Moody Blues began to play on the radio. Bill continues, This song brings back so many memories. It reminds me of my first boyfriend. I interject, this was the theme of my junior prom. I remember when I first realized the power of music. It was one of the rare occasions when my older brothers allowed me or more likely were forced by mom and dad to let me take along with them, while they went out with their friends. It was Pizza Hut, Rantoul, Illinois, circa early 70s. On the jukebox, someone played One Tin Soldier from the Barry B. movie, Billy Jack. Go ahead and hate your neighbor, go ahead and cheat a friend. Do it in the name of heaven, you can justify it in the end. The song, a metaphor for the Vietnam War, spoke to my impressionable young mind. The seeds of activism were planted in my brain, then and there, as well as the newfound knowledge of the power of music. Ever since that night at Pizza Hut, my life's moments and memories, both major and minor, musical pun intended, have often been defined by the music, songs, and or artist I happened to be listening to at the time. The albums The Pretender by Jackson Brown and Don Henley's End of the Innocence are my coming to terms with being gay, coming out music. And I listen to them every year on or around September 23rd, my coming out anniversary. Music can take you on some marvelous road trips without ever having to leave home. But back to our road trip. Arriving at Bill's in Wisconsin, we get settled in. We scour the backyard for firewood to build a campfire out in the driveway. Listening to music from the laptop piped outside via speakers from the windows of the living room. Saturday was a perfect made-to-order summer day. After some morning errands, we go to a semi-secluded spot on the Wolf River, not far from the house, for some relaxation. The sky was a soft pale blue, dotted with billowy cotton balls of fluffy white clouds. A gentle breeze grazes over us, keeping us comfortable in the brilliant warm sun. When we return to the house late afternoon, we encounter a dilemma. We are out of firewood for the night's campfire. However, there is a dying apple tree in the side yard. I offer to climb the tree and cut off some limbs. Bill brings me the only sharp implement on the property, and I use that adjective quite generously. It was a dull, rusty pruning saw that had most definitely seen better days. I climb the tree and position myself for optimum, semi-safe sawing. If I do say so myself, it was one of my more butch moments. Shirtless, wind blowing through my long beard and facial scruff, 
wielding a saw, precariously wedged into the crotch of a tree? Why, I could have been Paul Bunyan's little brother. How's that for lumbersexual, my burly straight men and lesbian friends? In due time, I have three to four sizable limbs felled. I climb down to further cut the wood into firewood-sized pieces. Like the previous night, we're around the fire, listening to the music piped outside from the laptop. Being an early riser, Bill has gone to bed. Jeff and I sit at the fire. We weren't talking. It's not that we were being antisocial. I think we were both just zenning out to the warmth, colors, and the snap, crackle, pop, and hissing of the blazing logs, their music harmonizing, sometimes discordantly, with that coming from the speakers. The music is in shuffle mode, so the next genre, song, and artist are always a mystery. Nexting the cue is an instrumental jazz cover of Unforgettable, the song made famous by Nat King Cole. Like a sucker punch to my solar plexus, it hits me. Tears begin streaming down my face and rivulets through my beard. Elbows to knees, I lean forward into my hands and silently sob. I don't know whether Jeff saw or realized what was happening, as I as nonchalantly as possible wiped the tears from my face. If he did notice, he allowed me the private moment without mention then or the next day. What was it about the song Unforgettable that hit me like a bolt of thunder? It was my mom. Or what, what, what mom was no longer. Mom had Alzheimer's. After not seeing her for a few months, I went downstate in December of 2014 to visit. When I walked in and greeted mom, she stared right through me. There was no recognition. For the first time, she didn't know me. My mom didn't know who I was. Like name that tune when the first few notes of Unforgettable started playing at the campfire, it hit me like an exposed, unprotected, raw nerve. I was forgettable to my mom. Through no fault of her own and the shitty luck of the draw of genetics, my mom had forgotten me. One of my psyche's defense mechanisms is that I can have a very delayed reaction or response to emotionally charged events. While shell-shocked and stunned, I was okay, as okay as I could be in the moment. I covered. Six days later, not so much. It was the final straw that broke my proverbial camel's back. It tipped me over the edge of an unctuous precipice I had been trotting toward the previous five years plus that started with the loss of my corporate senior management position, escalating a year later when the neighbor below me started what would become a five-alarm fire, torching our building and destroying my apartment and my possessions, postscripted with sleazy contractors and the batshit crazy other owners and neighbors, lawsuits, yes, that was plural, bankruptcy, mom's rapidly declining health, my own health, which included two hospitalizations for kidney stones a year apart, one requiring surgical intervention. The end of a relationship that couldn't sustain the trauma and drama of this series of events. And a close friend who was more like a brother to me who lost both legs and a portion of every finger due to sepsis and other medical oddities. This resulted in what was probably a long overdue diagnosis of PTSD which is still sometimes difficult for me to wrap my brain around. I've done more than my share of grieving a rapid succession of major losses back to back to back. I was grieving the loss of a parent who hadn't physically died yet, 
but Mom was no longer there. Mom finally died October 3rd, 2016, after 10 days of languishing mercilessly following her fifth stroke. Grief has its own and operates in its own timeline. It sometimes pops up at the most unexpected, inopportune, and uninvited moments, triggered by the most innocuous things, like a song, for example. Isn't it strange how a song from so long ago in your life has a completely different meaning when you hear it again years later? Thank you. Reminded me, I was out with friends last night at an event and they were playing a lot of older songs that was like giving me flashbacks all night. Every time they changed the music, I'd get a flashback. So it's interesting to hear this story today after having a night like that. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Like they would change it and just like a flash from when I was younger would come up. So it's really interesting that power of music. Absolutely. And actually, just a couple days ago or yesterday or sometime on Facebook, a little meme popped up that about music. Um, again, I'm going to bastardize this quote, but about um, when we're happy, we know the music. When we're sad, we know the lyrics. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Now I'm going to be thinking of that. <laughs> like, is it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I like how it ties in together, like all of those experiences that we've touched on, yeah. like just the way those lyrics can, like for years, like you said, like it was the lyric that kind of yeah. triggered that thought of your mom. Like, what do you feel the impact is that music can have on all of that? Like just generally. Well, I mean, in going back to Alzheimer's, uh, music is one of the last things that people lose. And we noticed this with mom, you know, when she was no longer verbal, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't communicate. And she, they were mom and dad are churchgoers. So, you know, her hymns and dad used, plays and sings music. So if we were playing something that she knew, or if there were like church services at the nursing home, you know, she would not you know, sing or participate, but you would see her toe tapping and she would be there with the music. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, her last days, and we just, you know, repeatedly kept playing music for her to hopefully send send her off in peace as much as possible. Yeah. Would you say music is more of a, like, a, in that sense, a coping coping mechanism? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are times when, you know, in different moods, you know, I will go and, you know, get the, the music I need to listen to and, you know. I know this will be a big shocker, but as a gay man, I, I love Broadway musicals. So. Really? <laughs> I should have prepared you for that moment. <laughs> I wasn't I'm ready. <laughs> uh, but anyway, on the, the drive down here from uh, from Cedar Rapids yesterday, I had, I'm in a rental car, so I didn't have my usual cache of CDs, but on my phone I had a couple, and so I was playing the, the cast recording of uh, A Spring Awakening. Mm. And and you'll appreciate this, Don. The 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 ultimate, the final song in that, the finale, is one I said. You know, I I went played at my funeral. It's a, called the the song of Purple Summer. Oh. So if you've not I heard it before, heard you song. you need to YouTube that and look for it because okay. it, it's very cool. I will have to look that up. Uh, so yeah, uh, again, you it's like my story. You know, music can take you on some marvelous road trips, and you know, yeah. you know, if you need to to get away or escape your mind, or you know. You know, at night times, often when if I'm in bed, lying awake, and my head is just spinning and spinning and spinning, you'll put on some music, and it helps kind of calm that down and 
mm-hmm. sh- shut the shut the brain off a little bit, or at least redirect it to a, a place where I can hopefully fall asleep. Yeah. And I'm currently actually my job currently I'm working with uh, persons who had traumatic brain injuries mm-hmm. and also with brain injury. I mean that's one of the other things they say. You know, people who and one of our residents uh, has very very bad short-term memory. She can't remember like from literally five seconds to the next of mm-hmm. something, but she loves country music. And if she gets her country music radio station on, she can sing all those songs along with the, with the radio. Wow. So it's interesting how the brain works. It is. Way. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, music I think is vital uh, to, to, to survival yeah. in, in many ways. I've even used that in my work with clients, like, like you said, for going asleep, like when I'm working with clients who are having sleep issues or even just coping with anxiety and things like that, it can really be a useful tool. Oh yeah. And I occasionally get migraines. And one of my things, if I get a migraine, I'll just get into a dark room and put on some, it's one of the few times I listen to classical music, but I'll Mm -hmm. get some classical music and put on and that will help, help me. Yeah, it can be powerful. Absolutely. I think there's something about that too, like you say, the classical music, like syncing up with your body's involuntary responses, like heart rate and breathing rate and all of that and helping normalize that. Sure. Um, I think as part of the anxiety piece too, like when people start feeling anxiety, a lot of those things get out of their natural rhythm. Sure. And it helps kind of set that back to the baseline, which is a really it's a very simplistic tool but it could be a really powerful tool absolutely and i'm wondering too it just, it just came to me that i was at the rehab institute of chicago in their chronic pain program some about 15 years ago mm-hmm. intensive outpatient program uh, and they did biofeedback a lot with mm-hmm. for pain so i'm thinking mm-hmm. you know Music has got to be like a good biofeedback mm-hmm. tool, I would think. So Yeah, I've actually done biofeedback. Um, I worked at a VA for a while, and I'm actually going to be going back into the VA in September um, working in pain, chronic pain. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I've done a lot of that, and it's really fascinating how you could train your brain to better manage pain yeah. and to just yeah figure out how to get that relaxed state. Yeah, yeah. So we, we I have used some music usually it's like music with some imagery so yeah i have done a little bit of that and some people find a lot of relief from it yeah i mean i found it very beneficial yeah i think there has to be a tiny bit of buy-in that it can work oh absolutely because when people don't think it's gonna work they just kind of like oh this is hokey this is weird and they just tense up at the thought of doing it and if you can't like let yourself relax into it you can't feel those benefits Yeah. yeah I think you, when you reach the level of such a pain that you're willing to try anything, that you're mm-hmm. <laughs> even the, the non non believers, there's like, okay, yep. give it a shot. You know, people definitely. What, what have you got that. to lose at this point? Exactly. So. Yeah, it's not going to increase your pain, so you may as well give it a try. Yeah. Even though, like, it seems like I don't want to say you've completely moved on, but like you are in a better place now. Do you think you'd ever um, come back and like stay in Chicago? Now that you've settled a little bit more, under the right circumstances, I, I love Chicago. Like I said, you know, before we were recording and talking, you know, that I wasn't born here, but I consider Chicago home. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's why it was not, no stretch for me when you said oh, we could do this either over the phone or mm-hmm. no, I'm coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, part, a lot of this, some of the reasons I left, you know, the fire and all, obviously, but also, I mean. 
real estate taxes are just ridiculous here. I mean, mm -hmm. it was the, the tax base and True. Illinois is not the best invest financial state. So, mm -hmm. so things would have to be very different and I would have to be in a different financial bracket again to, to think about moving back. So, yeah, but I mean, I would love to, cause I, I miss, miss the uh, theater. I, I miss the food. I miss like good ethnic restaurants. It's like, mm -hmm. that's probably one, one of the hardest things is like, there's not a lot of variety. <laughs> Even in Grand Rapids, huh? Cedar Rapids. Cedar Ra Oh, Cedar. Yeah, Grand yeah. Rapids is very different. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot bigger than Cedar Rapids. I mean, there's a little bit, but there's not, you know, I mean, I'm used to being able you know, to walk 15 to 30 minutes to some nice little divey mom and pop, Yeah. you know, Mexican, Peruvian, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. Middle Eastern, you know, any restaurant and there's not really a lot of that. There's Mexican and a Middle Eastern restaurant. And I think there's a Vietnamese, but I've not been to that one. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, just to get, to get those good, good old, again, not, not, not the chains, but the, the divey mom and pop places that, you know, right. and even like finding that a good Mexican restaurant, you know, I don't want the frou-frou, you, know, mm -hmm. you know, plated Mexican with, you know, three tacos with a like, like grain of a ground beef on it or something like <laughs> and three dots of sour cream and, and guacamole. Yeah. It's like, I want a good, just mom and pop, you know, yeah. chili poblano. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chicago Chicago is really good for our food. Yeah. yeah. Everything here. Yeah. Every time somebody leaves someone, they always say that they miss Chicago food. Oh yeah. Like, and, and pizza. I've not, I've yet to find like a, a great pizza. Oh yeah. Iowa. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. Actually, I so I went to U of I, so I was in okay. kind of your area-ish from okay. where you're from. U of I as Iowa? No, Champaign. Oh, Champ. Okay, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I always like guys. Yeah, that's I, true. I, yeah, I tell people, they I go. Call them that. Yeah, I go. I go. I went to the real U of I. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which pisses off the Iowans, but <laughs> I mean, I could get on board with that. Um, yeah, so I remember down there, I was like, where do I get some like even decent pizza there? But I found some. So, so Papa Dells. Actually, Jupiter's. Ooh, okay, I that's new. That's Jupiter's. that that was. Papa Dells is second. Okay. But I really, I'm a fan of Chicago thin cracker crust. Okay. And Jupiter's is just okay, amazing, so good. And was Garcia's around when you were down down there? I I didn't hear about that one. No. Okay, because they used to be like on Ride and Sixth Street, like a second story. That was yeah. Mm, no, so I, I think, think they so. I think they were gone. Probably. Even just since, so I've literally been gone since June. I was just down there to defend my dissertation and. There are buildings gone. Oh, yeah. Half the restaurants are gone. It is changing well, like, so when fast. When I come back to Chicago, well, I drove you know, from the north end down Broadway here. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, what is different. going on? Yeah, because then I just came back here after being gone for four years. And I don't recognize here anymore either. Yeah. I used to live down the street from where we're at. And, yeah, Chicago is rapidly changing as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, neighborhoods, I mean, it's, it's great. But it's like my old standbys are gone. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a big transition, moving away from such a big city to, what would it be like a small, like metropolis type? It's, it's a hundred, about 100,000 people. Okay. And Cedar Rapids is the second largest city in Iowa. Okay. Uh, really? After Des Moines. Yeah. I mean, I would I would have thought Iowa City with the university there, which mm -hmm. I, which is only 20 miles away. But mm -hmm. Cedar Rapids is the second largest city of Iowa. With 100,000 people? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like, I'm thinking of so Chicago. So that helps and you I'm some like, People, I wish you could see her face right now. <laughs> right, right. Like, what? The incredulity on her face speaks like, volumes. It's like, is it this big so they're all fit in this tight like, little... Like, how many times do you see people, like, with that many, like, is it, is it like, crowded? 
or is there a downtown? There is a downtown, and actually, Czech Village is not far from downtown. I can walk to downtown if I wanted to. Okay. It's on the other side of the river from me. So you said it's kind of an artsy town. What well, kind that, of kind like of that section where I'm at? So I mean, Cedar Rapids is really. It's kind of blue collar, some white collar. I would say like industry is probably the biggest thing. Uh, Quaker Oats is there. That's like, mm. uh, it's probably one of the big things. Uh, there's a what used to be ADM. They're a different different name now. There seems to be a lot of insurance and banking industry there as well in mm. in, in downtown Cedar mm. Rapids. Uh, so what kind of art community is there? Uh, the, uh, and Czech Village is connected with Nubo, which is short for New Bohemia. Mm. Uh, and that was been really revitalized after the flood 10 years ago. So that's kind of the up and, and coming area. So they do a lot of street fest and artist fest. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten to meet a few artists through some friends. So I'm kind of trying to make my, my connection with, with my, my other artists in the, in the area. So a lot of mixed media. Uh, I was working at a, a food co-op, kind of like a mini Whole Foods uh, when I first moved there. And one of my colleagues from there is a photography artist so she's had a couple of shows and and then like say summer times they'll do you know street fest and stuff sort of not like market days but kind of that that kind of that that idea of you know closing off the street but right. I see this was all pretty much for all art vendors it was just various artists so mm-hmm. it's like a block party kind of so yeah sort of yeah sort of like a block party okay. um and but the first year I was there, because I, I was working that Sunday, oh, I'm going to go there afterwards. You know, I got off work at 4, and so I go there at 4, and it's like they're closing up. And it's like, it's only 4 o'clock. You're closing. It's 4 o'clock. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Definitely not Chicago. Yeah, not Chicago anymore. <laughs> right. Wow. Wow. So it sounds like it's even kind of a change of pace. Yeah. It's it's a s- slower change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the biggest adjustment is when I w- in Chicago, I didn't have a car, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And now I have to have a vehicle. And yeah. So that, and now that I have a vehicle that's broken down, it just kind of sucks. Yeah, so. It's a whole new expense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the move there, part of it for me was, you know, I've been, always like to think of myself as a somewhat ad- adventurous person, but, you know, still within my a safety net. And so, you know, even though I you know, have friends who lived, you know, in Iowa City, for me to make a big move like that, just to uproot myself was, was major, a major thing for me. And part of it for me is realizing you know that that i could do that you just up and move without a job i mean i don't have you know i've not been making great money at the jobs i've had but i I could pick up and move and start over and now i know that i could do that again at, at any point if, if i needed to you know that you know i don't know if cedar rapids is my final destination or not but i know that it, it doesn't have to be and that if something were to come along somewhere else you know I've done it before and I can do it again. So well, yeah. I'll be that, that Phoenix rising continuously. So Yeah. Since we are getting close, it is time for our shameless plug for you. So please plug anything and everything that you do, all of the cool things that you make or involved with, etc. And if you want people to get involved with, like yeah. you okay. said, like heading stuff up out in Iowa okay. too. Yeah. I mean, love to, to kind of get storytelling going more there. Uh, the few people that I've met, you know, that's the po- possibility. I just need to, winter is kind of a dead time for me, so I need to pick up and follow up with that. Uh, interest uh, from my original story that I did was you know, learning my love of cooking and baking from my mom and aunt, so I mean, enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping this year to actually get out. There are great bike trails in Cedar Rapids, especially along the lake or the riverfront, so 
I'm hoping to actually get out and get on my bike this year and try to lose some of the weight that I've gained. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to get a dog again. That's kind of in my oh yeah my game plan is to what get another dog. Stuff out there? Uh, the one I had was an Australian Shepherd Border Collie mix. So I'd like to get another oh. Australian Shepherd mix of some sort. My, a lot of energy. It yes. is. My parents have one. It has have an Australian Shepherd, and they're beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a lot of energy. Yeah. They yeah. need to run. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, run. I want to get my yard fence. That's kind of the thing. If I can get my yard fence, that I that's yeah. kind of the mm-hmm. first step to getting a dog. So. Wonderful. Well, I hope that happens soon, and you can have your dog and Thank you. have all the fun out in Iowa yeah. with them. Thank also, baked goods. Please bring back baked goods if you ever come back to Chicago. Okay. If you bring me, call me back for another story, I'll bake something for you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> There's my shameless plug to get invited back for another story. Go. Yes, baked goods. I, I, I can bribe you. Yes. <laughs> I will bribe you. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And any moth people in Chicago who know people in Iowa, get them on board. Yeah. Thank you. Get something mm-hmm. started out there. Well, it was wonderful having you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. I had a great time being here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C., and you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk Talk to you all all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. Based on the bullshit that I've experienced from other professionals in my field critiquing my way of being, I would have folded a long time ago. Yet all that did was force me to be more me. And now I just pulled my drag persona out of the closet and I've just gone fucking crazy with that. Bye. Bye.